0: You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week we're hearing from lead pastor, Gare Jones. Oh man! Well, Christmas, as we look around, Christmas is about lights. And how many of you have decorated your house already? Lots of lights everywhere. How many of you have yet to do it? How many of you will not do it? Those of you. So, All sorts of traditions, but I think universally lights are a big deal at Christmas. And so, as is also pub quizzes. So we're going to do a a little pub quiz, Christmas pub quiz this morning. No dad jokes, that was last week. So four questions about lights, ready? Which famous Christian of old sparked this tradition of lights on Christmas trees. It was said that he was wandering through the evergreen forest around where he lived, and through the trees he saw the stars twinkling, and went home and put some candles on his Christmas tree for his family kind of entertainment. Which famous Christian of old did that? Mm. Sorry? Sorry? No. Correct. Martin Luther over here on my left. So so we have a winner so far. Come on, folks. Martin Luther. Amazing. How did you know that? That's incredible. Of course you did. Good reformed Lutherans on my left. I love it. Um, Okay. This is now coming closer to home. Who invented the string of lights in 1880? Edison, correct. Not only the light, he did the string of lights. Okay, then, okay, this is, yeah, four options. In the Guinness Book of World Records, a family from New York State holds the record for the most lights on a residential property. They spent two months decorating a two-acre space with how many lights? A, 20,000. B, 100,000. C, 500,000. D, 650,000. Hands up for A, B, C, D. D it is. (laughs) 650,000 lights. Okay, this is my favorite. How many people are hospitalized every year from putting lights up on their homes? On average, ready? A, 1,000. B, 1,500. C, 1,800, or D, 6,000? <laughs> A, B, C, D. D it is. <laughs> Six, do not be one of the 6,000. Lights. Christmas is about lights. And of course, that's why Christmas is traditionally on December 25th. Because when they... Decided when should we celebrate Christmas? All the way back in the fourth century, there was a couple of reasons why they chose the 25th of December. One of which was, in the northern hemisphere at least, this was the darkest of all days, the shortest day, in which they would celebrate that in the deepest darkness, the light is coming. Today we're going to look at what it means in the darkness of the world and in maybe the darkness of your circumstances. That Jesus can come as the light of the world. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. The passage will be on the screen. Beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. and truth. John writes about Jesus that he is the true light that is coming into the world. 22 times John refers to the light throughout his biography of Jesus. In fact, Jesus in John chapter eight says, I am the light of the world. And of course, what John is doing is not just picking up a random theme of light and dark in his biography of Jesus. He's picking up on a great theme throughout the whole of the story of humanity as told to us in the scriptures. Right at the very start, if you remember in Genesis chapter 1, it says this In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, meaning dark. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God says, Let there be light. Let there be light. That darkness was covering the world, but God broke in with light. And as you know, that light suddenly was dimmed by humanity's decision to go in it alone and reject God. That we didn't want to live dependent but independent of God, live our own lives, reject his loving wisdom, reject His our loving relationship with him, and live our own way, don't tell me how to live, and suddenly we see darkness, start to come back into the world. If you ever read Genesis, you see the collapse back into darkness rapidly as people reject God, live their own lives, try and, try and pursue happiness without him. We see very quickly jealousy and greed and even murder creep in to these early generations. This is the tragic story of humanity that darkness is often more pervasive than the light. And throughout the Old Testament, you see this devastation of darkness everywhere. And you see a people of God crying out, God, bring your light again. That's why at Christmas, we often read the prophet Isaiah, where he writes, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. As he's prophesying, a light is going to come again. Waiting, waiting for God to bring his light again into our darkness. And so John, when he writes his biography of Jesus, begins in the beginning. Was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, echoing Genesis 1. And suddenly starts to say to people who've been waiting, waiting in darkness, that the true light is now coming back into the world. The light of healing, the light of renewal, the light to restore the darkness, the light to give you guidance in the midst of the darkness. At Christmas, we celebrate the light, but we celebrate the light so much because we also know what it's like to live in darkness. Many of you here today are struggling with not just difficulty, but also darkness, Christmas is often a time where that darkness, darkness is accentuated. You feel it more deeply. Loneliness can be ever more present. The grief of the loss of a loved one can be very close as we gather with family and friends. As we go out and try and buy gifts for others, we can start to worry about our own finances and the insecurity. We can have stress and anxiety by the fact that we have to go gather with our families. For many, that is a difficult thing to do. And for many, mental health challenges are living in anxiety and worry and depression can be accentuated because this is supposed to be the time of joy and celebration and yet we see, why is it that I can't feel that joy and celebration? John reminds us that in Jesus we find the true light for not just the darkness of the world, but also whatever darkness we're facing this Christmas. It's interesting he calls it the true light, that Jesus is not just a light, he is the true light. I think that's because whatever circumstances we're facing, whatever darkness that we're struggling with, there are other lights that we can rely on But they tend not to fully overcome the darkness. They're good. But they don't fully dispel the challenges that we're in. You know, we can turn to the problems of the world, the darkness of the world, and we can look at the light of progress and go, if we just progress scientifically, culturally, economically, educationally, in healthcare, if we progress in these ways, then this is the light that will dispel the evil in the world. And though there is much to celebrate in the progress of science and healthcare, I'm glad we're living with the healthcare we have. We all know that it doesn't dispel the darkness of the world. The enlightenment was the great experiment. With progress, can we get rid of evil? Well, the juries come back in on that. And we see that, yes, even with great progress in the world, evil still pervades. It is the light, but the darkness does overcome it. it may not be the light of progress. Maybe in your own life that you feel you know what? The light of my circumstances, the darkness of where I'm at right now, the light of my hard work and strategy will break through the darkness and I will get into the light. This is the one that I can, by default, switch to in my own life. If I work hard, if I strategize, if I have a great plan, then I can avoid the darkness. But most of us realize eventually that we are not in control of the circumstances around us, and therefore we're not fully able to dispel darkness. It's great to have a plan, but as Mike Tyson once said, everyone has a plan. Until they get punched in the face. (laughs) Maybe you're here today going, I had a great plan. I worked really hard. But I just got punched in the face. I don't know what to do. Could be that we uh, go, you know what? The best way to get rid of the darkness is to go to the light of 21st century America, the lights of leisure, pleasure, and treasure. You know what? I'm just going to live life to the full. I'm going to go bungee jumping. I'm going to climb half dome. I'm going to go shopping and buy all the things I've ever wanted and maybe not needed. I'm going to go buy that car, that beach house. I'm going to earn a lot of money. If I get leisure, pleasure, treasure, then I will dispel the darkness in my life. And there's much good in some of those things. But again, for those who have pursued leisure, pleasure, treasure, and maybe even been fortunate enough to experience leisure, pleasure, and treasure, the story I keep hearing is that the darkness is still there. Eventually, our search for the light to dispel the darkness can end in despair and we turn to the lights of numbing and soothing rather than dispelling the darkness we turn to things just to forget that we're in the darkness and we turn to legal or illegal versions of numbing legal Netflix and reels legal, illegal, all the rest. But we numb ourselves because we can't quite face the darkness anymore. It's into this story, not only 2,000 years ago, but in your story this morning that John writes, the true light is coming into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. He is the guide in the darkness of your circumstances. He is the security in the darkness of instability. He is the comfort in the darkness of grief. He is the provision in the darkness of not knowing the future. And he even is the light of eternity in the darkness of death. The light, the true light has come And the darkness has not overcome it. I remember when I experimented in my mid-twenties to experiment, do I really need the light of Jesus? And I thought, you know what? Other people seem to be fine. I grew up in the church, had some experiences of Jesus, had some authentic experiences of Jesus. But some stuff happened. I thought, you know what? Maybe culture is right And I don't need an external light, I just need the light from within. Maybe I am enough. And so I rejected Jesus for a season and just lived my life in London. And I just thought, you know what, this is the great experiment. Is life going to be just as good, if not better, without Jesus? And after a couple of years, I knew which way the conclusion was going. And I eventually found, I woke up to myself and said nothing's terrible, I'm not kind of now suddenly this evil, horrible person, my career's going well, my relationships are fairly healthy, I'm not that much of an idiot, I'm okay, you know, <laughs> things are okay. But all I could put it down to was this, it felt like all of life was slightly darker, like the light had gone out. I could still see, but it felt like in all of my lenses of life, I got some really strong sunglasses on. I could still see, but it just wasn't as light. It's almost like Jesus, the lights had dimmed and I couldn't see as clearly anymore. I remember going back to church. I remember going back into that environment and going to something called Alpha to rediscover my faith and ask all the tough questions. But I remember when I took that commitment again to go, you know what, I need the light. I want Jesus in my life again. I want him at the center because I don't want to live in this darkness anymore. I don't want everything to be kind of okay. I want to live that experience of life and life to the full again with Jesus. And it felt when I did that, kind of the light went on again. And I could see clearly. It felt like what happened recently, in the sense of I turned 50 recently. Um, I know, shock, horror. I look 25, I know. And <laughs> I, I shock, horror as I started to kind of realize about a restaurant, and instead of doing this, I'm kind of doing this. And I'm kind of squinting a bit more because I can't see as clearly as I used to be. I used to be able to. And so. Um, Over time, as I was asking other people to hold the menu about five feet away, I thought, something's wrong. I just can't see. And so I got used to that, right? I got used to living in blurriness. I just got used to kind of not reading the menu and just picking what I hoped was there, or whatever it may be. (laughs) It just became normal. But I remember when I ordered... I gave in and I thought, I don't think life's meant to be lived this way. And I remember going to Amazon and ordering the cheapest reading glasses I could possibly find to slightly give in. And I remember here, here they are. They don't fit, they're too small. I think they're kids, and they're purple. But when I put them on, it was like, oh, I can see. I may look an idiot, but I can see. <laughs> and I think if John was writing today, he would say, this Christmas, Jesus, the reading glasses, has come. That it's through him we can see again. We can see John goes on to go, but despite this great news, some people don't receive it. He says, actually, there's two types of people, and you may be here this morning, there's two types of people who actually just can't receive that Jesus is the reading glasses of the world, that Jesus is the light of the world in the darkness. We just can't accept that. And I've got empathy, actually, with what John says. There's two types of people I empathize with who actually just can't can't go there. Some people reject Jesus and some people don't recognize him. He says, Jesus came to his own but they didn't receive him, they rejected him. And I understand why. And I think actually it's understandable that when you're faced with the truth of Jesus is the light of the world, it's hard to accept that. Because in order to accept Jesus is the light of the world, you've got to accept you're in darkness. You've got to accept that maybe I can't see straight. You've got to accept that maybe we don't have all the answers. In other words, we have to get over our pride. So many times... We can reject Jesus, not because we disagree with who he is, it's because of what that means for me. It means I can't save myself. It means I am living in a blurred life. It means I can't actually be good in the world. I need to be in relationship with God. Tim Keller writes this, he says... There has never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and good life. To accept the true Christmas gift, you have to admit you're a sinner. You need to be saved by grace. You need to give up control of your life. This is descending lower than any of us really wants to go. What a beautiful gift of the light of the world. And yet it is also very confronting. Because in accepting this gift, we diagnose the brokenness of our own lives. And often our pride will get in the way. It took me a while, and I'm still not quite there. My pride is going, but maybe my vision will correct itself. But eventually I have to admit, I need these. And eventually all of humanity, no matter how good you think you're doing, no matter how prosperous you think your life is going, no matter how great things are, eventually life, like Mike Tyson said, will punch you in the face, and you'll realize... I need God. It's easy to reject Jesus. It's also easy not to recognize him. Again, I've got deep empathy for those who look at Jesus and go, really? You're saying he is God? That God in his Awesomeness and magnificence decided to reveal himself, and he chose this way to do that? John says the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He is in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. So easy, isn't it, to go, I just don't buy that. Don't believe it. We do something called Alpha, as I mentioned before, which is a, a series of dinner evenings and conversations where people who don't have a faith or are exploring faith or are not too sure about their faith can come in safety, non-judgmental environment, and it's fun where we explore the big questions of life, including is Jesus who he says he is. And so many of the questions are really well; they're all great questions. But one particularly great question is how is it that Jesus is God? that a man who was a carpenter 2,000 years ago is God. He claimed it, but was he wrong? And I think part of that question is really helpful because it breaks our conception as to how God would reveal himself to us. See, God says throughout creation, he reveals himself in part. So when you apparently... When you go surfing, you can feel this awesomeness of God around you. When you go walking in the hills, or when you have an incredible, beautiful meal, it kind of the aromas, it kind of is a spiritual moment. Whatever it is, God says that he reveals himself in part through creation. But he wants to go more than part, he wants to reveal himself. So we think, well, how would I do that if I was God? And we think of other ways of doing that. We think of I don't know, maybe I would become like this superhero out out, out of the sky to show my awesomeness like a Marvel movie. Maybe it's some other means, maybe Star Wars, a force, like we tap into some kind of force. But John says that when God decided, how am I going to reveal myself to humanity? The best way was to take on flesh and to walk among us. The best way, because when you live with someone, you really get to know them. When you spend time with them, it's that's when you discover what they're like. Tim Keller again writes this. He says, Jesus Christ is the word of God, God incarnate. Because no more comprehensive, personal, and beautiful communication of God is possible. We cannot look directly at the sun with our eyes. The glory of it would immediately overwhelm and destroy our sight. We have to look at it through a filter. And then we can see the great flames and colors of it. And when we look at Jesus Christ, as he is shown to us in the scriptures, we are looking at the glory of God through the filter of a human nature. How else would God show us how much he loves us by coming in the flesh to rescue us? How much more could he show us that he is a servant to offer his life for us than to come and die on the cross on our behalf? How much more would he show that he's a relational God by actually becoming flesh that we might have relationship with him? As you read the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're looking at this Jesus who says, I am God in the flesh, and you're looking at how he loves people, how he treats people, his teaching, his reaction, and you look at it and go, if this is God, this is the God we long for him to be. Many people just can't, and I understand, go, how can this person be God? And John asked the question, how else would we ever get to know him than him becoming flesh? Some reject, some don't recognize. But John says, but some receive some receive him. He says, for those who do receive him, he gives them the right to be children of God. Now, for those who receive him to go, you know what? You are the light of the world. You know what? I do see in you not just a person, but God. And to receive him is to be welcomed into the family of God. There's a great picture by um, the famous artist Holman Hunt called The Light of the World. And you'll see it on the screen here. And in it, it's a beautiful depiction. I think he's painted three of them, and they're in various amazing places around the world, if you ever see it, one is St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And you'll see that it shows Jesus as the great king of the universe, coming in flesh as the light of the world, going to a door and knocking on the door and you'll see around the door there's weeds and there's darkness and there's there's the but pretty much the story of our lives but jesus is knocking as the light of the world coming to bring his light into our lives and one person said to Holman Hunt, he said, I think you've made a mistake, it's a beautiful picture and all, but if I may, I think you've made a mistake, and he goes, in what way have I made a mistake? He said, well, I'm looking at this door, and there's no handle, you forgot to put the handle on, he goes, no, actually, that's not a mistake, there is a handle, but there's only one handle, and it's on the inside of the door, you see, Jesus knocks, but he'll never force his way into your life. You have to receive him, to open the door and let him in. And this morning as we come to celebrate the light of the world coming, maybe you're in that place today of going, I think I need the light of the world. I've tried on my own. I've tried to turn to other lights, and they're good. Some of them are good, but they can't overcome the darkness I need the light of the world that I was meant to have. And some of you have always looked at Jesus and gone, I just don't see why God would come as a person, but is there, not, is there anything more beautiful than God coming in flesh to display who he is to you and to me? And maybe today is the time where you go, you know what, I've heard this knocking. And that knocking doesn't have to be like physical dreams of God breaking into your life it could be circumstances God's been using circumstances in your life to knock on your door I open the door to Jesus as I said in my mid-twenties again to let him back in but every Christmas I'm reminded of I need to keep opening the door not because he leaves me but I forget he's there And every now and again, I'm in the darkness again, the darkness of insecurity, the darkness of fear, the darkness of worry. And though he's in my life, I can sometimes forget to invite him in to the circumstances. And so I'm going to invite us all to do that again this morning. The light has come, the light of the world, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's stand together. I'd love you to close your eyes. And I'm going to say a prayer which I'd encourage all of us to say just but silently. And for some, it's to let Jesus in for the first time, to invite him into your life as the light of the world. And for others, It's into this circumstance I need to invite him in. I need to stop relying on the light of self reliance or finances or manipulation. I'm going to invite Jesus in. So, Jesus, we thank you that in every situation you are the light of the world. You bring clarity, you bring your guidance, you bring your power. Thank you that the light has come, that you came into the darkness of this world and you knock on the door of my life to bring your light into my life. Forgive me for when I've caused darkness in this world. Forgive me for trying to live life without you because it just doesn't work. I need you. Thank you for coming, going to the cross for all the stuff I've done that You took all that off me instead of me. And now in my life and in my circumstance, I turn the handle and welcome you in. Come into my life, come into my fears, my anxieties. I trust you as the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. In a minute we're going to pray, but we're going to have communion now, but in a minute we're going to pray and our prayer team will hear. And if you've either said, you know, that's the first time I've done that to invite Jesus in, I'd love you to come forward to receive prayer. And if you are also going, you know what, I need someone to pray for me because I know Jesus, but this is a really tough situation. I need someone to pray with me. Then we'll have our prayer team down in front. But let's take our communion cups. And if you're new to this, don't worry, you can follow along and I'll guide us through this. Because at the heart of the light of the world is this sacrifice that he made for you and for me. Light has come to take away our darkness. And the only way he could do that was to become human and represent you and me on the cross instead of us. This is what light has done. It became darkness that we may know his light. And so, as you follow these words on the screen, these are not just words we say as if we're in school, bored, but they they resonate with our hearts to recenter us around the light of the world. So together we say, the Lord is here. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Accept our praise, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, and grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us the grace of his body and his blood. That on the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, he gave thanks. He gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine and he gave thanks and he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And therefore, church, we confess our faith together saying, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And therefore, Heavenly Father, proclaiming his saving death and resurrection, proclaiming that the light of the world has come to become darkness in our stead, that we may know his light. And we look for his coming again in glory. We celebrate with this cup, his one perfect sacrifice except through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat of this bread and cup, we pray that you would renew us with the light of Jesus. That his light would permeate every area of our lives or circumstances. That we would walk the rest of our lives with clarity. We would walk in the light. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go for the bread side first. As we peel it back, this is gluten free. But, church, this is the light of the world who broke his body for you. As we peel back the grape juice. Church, the light of the world, who shed his blood for you. And so, Jesus, as we worship you now, let your light come. Dispel the darkness, and may our lives be warmed by the light shining from your face to all of us. Our prayer team is going to come up now. They'll be up here at the front. Please come forward for prayer. If you've accepted Jesus for the first time, come up. We want to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, come up. We want to pray for you. We have a word that our prayer team had, which they sense was from God, that someone has an upcoming pending contract And God wants you to trust him with that one. And we want to pray for you if that's for you. You've got an upcoming contract and God wants you to trust him with the outcome of that. And so just come up and we'd love to pray for you. But let's worship. Let's worship light of the world. Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.